0: Opinions expressed on ACB Media are those of the respective program contributors and do not necessarily reflect the views held by the American Council of the Blind, its elected officials, or its staff.
1: Welcome, everybody. Welcome to the 2023 American Council of the Blind of Nebraska State Convention. We're going to kick this off with a neat little jingle. Tyler, take it away.
2: We're a group that has a vision with pride and dignity Looking toward a brighter future where there's true equality Optimistic and determined to direct our destiny Come and join us, change the world with ACB ACB we come in different packages and personalities With many skills and talents but few opportunities Just take an honest look at jobs that blind folks really do Teachers, lawyers, writers, business owners, just to name a few We're a group that has a vision with pride and dignity Looking toward a brighter future where there's true equality Optimistic and determined to direct our destiny Come and join us, change the world with ACB. ACB. We believe that there is more to life than working nine to five. You've got to laugh and have some fun to really feel alive. And when it comes to love and friendship, we can give so very much. We may be out of sight, but we're by no means out of touch. Hey, we're a group that has a vision with pride and dignity looking toward a brighter future where there's true equality. Optimistic and determined to direct our destiny. Come and join us, change the world with ACB. You've got to open up a box to be sure of what's inside. So don't label us as helpless before giving us a try. We're not asking for Hand out we don't want your sympathy all we want is just a chance to prove our capabilities we're a group that has a vision with pride and dignity looking toward a brighter future where there's true equality optimistic and determined to direct our destiny come and join us change the world with ACB ACB we're a group that has a vision With pride and dignity Looking toward a brighter future Where there's true equality Optimistic and determined To direct our destiny Come and join us, change the world with ACB Hey, we're a group that has a vision With pride and dignity Looking toward a brighter future Where there's true equality Optimistic and determined To direct our destiny Come and join us, change the world with ACB Come and join us, change the world with
1: ACB Well, to start off, I'd like to thank my friends here at Outlook Enrichment, here at Outlook Nebraska, for letting us have our state convention here at this fine facility so later on today you'll be hearing a little bit more from outlook nebraska and, and all the neat things that they offer blind people in this in our community here so uh please look forward to that so paulette and mitcha uh, thank you so much for helping making this possible and helping us get set up today thank you and then i'd also like to thank uh, all the all the people. It, there's a lot of people involved to put together a state convention. Uh, I'm just I, if I forget somebody, I'm sorry. But uh, I'd like to f- thank uh, Kim Uronic, uh for helping with the coffee and donuts and getting things dispersed. Uh, we do have coffees and donuts and juice and fruit and water and and different things. So don't be afraid to if you need something. Uh, let us know. Uh, we want to, we want you to be comfortable. Uh, now, another thing that's usually important at a conference like that, this is a restroom, and we have some very nice restrooms. Uh, if if you're it, it's to, I, if you're facing uh, the front, it would be to your left, and uh, there, there's a nice men's and women's restroom there. So again, uh, you know, feel free to use it when you need to. Um, uh, it's kind of neat that today we're going to be streaming this whole day on ACB radio. And I'd like to introduce uh, our radio technician, sound guy, and all-around great guy, Tyler Ur, Ur, Uronick. Yeah, I know him so well. <laughs> Tyler, <laughs> Tyler uh But anyway, Tyler, uh, uh, you know what i what i'm hoping that you'll do you know you're here in person which is no better place to be but if you've got some blind friends or you know family that you think would be interested in hearing what's going on today uh i'm going to ask tyler just to tell you how how they can do that right now so tyler can you kind of jump on and tell them how they how they can have their friends and family listen to this conference today
3: oh i'd love to president Bolger. um thanks for having me once again um so there's a number of ways that you can listen to the, uh, the network. Um, this is uh, what they call ACB Media 9 today. And, um, and what we're, what, one of the ways that you can listen, the most common way, is through um, the Amazon Echo devices, which are, uh, you know, Alexas. And you can simply say, Alexa, open ACB Media, and she'll say, okay, well, which stream do you want to listen to? Our network here has ten streams, and you can listen uh, by simply saying nine. And she'll open it up, and they can listen to us here on the radio. Um, They also have... um, We also have... uh, You can go to acbmedia.org slash nine, and you can get to it that way. They have a nice little web player for you. Uh, Third is you can get ACB Link off your App Store and listen on your smartphone or, or um, that kind of device. You could, if you have a Braille Sense that runs on Android, you can do that too. And uh, even further, uh, you can also listen to it through your Victor Reader Stream if you have one of those. And you can simply uh, you can simply pull up the Humanware playlist in your media player and uh, and a C b media nine is there, so you can you can listen to that uh, as well and don 't forget um, don 't forget to uh, to tell folks that if they like listen what uh, if they like what they 're listening to you can go over to our website at acbnebraska.org and make a donation. And, of course, their donation goes to help all the wonderful work here that ACB of Nebraska does. So thank you, President Bolger,
1: and uh, have a great convention. Thank you, Tyler. How about we've got people listening right now from probably throughout the world, so can we give a warm uh, Omaha... Nebraska shout out to all those listeners out there and just say welcome to ACB two thousand twenty-three. So ready? One, two, three. Welcome to ACB two thousand twenty-three state convention. So thank you. All right. You know, back to the thank yous. I'd like to thank the the the, we had a committee that organized this today and uh, it was uh uh, Chris Premfurter, Jim Urock, uh, Amber, and it was uh, Dale Oviat, and uh, so thank you guys for helping organize this and doing doing all the things. Uh, yesterday, I got a call from my friend Jim Urock, and he's, he's been the leader of a, a number of state commes- uh, conventions, and he said, Mark, what can I do to help you? And that's, that's the attitude that we have here at ACB. We just help one another and but they all just pitch in and we get it done, so thank you jim for the the, the, the servantness that you you offered and and Amber and everybody else so then also uh, sh- uh Becky Brenforder and Sharon and Tina, thanks for uh, helping with registration and door prizes and everything so it takes a lot of people to uh, pull off something like this uh, I thought we would uh we have a flag to my Left over here, and uh, we live in a great nation. We live in a great nation, so would you join me in saying the Pledge of Allegiance? I pledge allegiance to the flag of the United States of America and to the Republic for which it stands, one nation under God, indivisible, with liberty and justice for all. Thank you. Another tradition of ACB Nebraska is uh, we like to uh, thank our, uh, our Heavenly Father for uh, all that he, he provides for us each day. So I'm going to ask Carol Gibalisco to say a blessing over today's uh, uh, convention. So, Carol?
4: Our Heavenly Father, we come together of, of really many blessings to be grateful for. And and we also um, pray for the success of our convention and guide us all the way through so that we do everything that would be pleasing to you. Bless everyone who are here, all those who helped, who did things, and bless all all of us who are here today. And for those who couldn't make it, we pray for them also. We ask in your name, we pray. Amen.
1: Amen. Well, thank you, Carol. Uh, uh, I'd also like to recognize uh, uh, there's a good number of people here that are from the Nebraska Commission for Blind and Visually Impaired, and uh, we've got uh, uh, clients that are, are learning all these important life skills that are going to help them be successful in life. And we have uh, a number of ACB staff people. And I would like to recognize the ACB staff that are here today. So if you're an ACB staff person, would you stand up, please? ACB, uh, not ACB, MCBVI, NCBVI. Yeah, yeah, NCBBI and, and Chris, could you run around and give them the microphone and just have them introduce themselves? We really do appreciate you guys being here. Just tell us your name, maybe what your, what your duties are.
5: My name's Brandy Harper, and I work in the business office at the agency. I basically pay all of our bills.
6: Good morning, Carlos Servan, Executive Director of the Commission for the Blind. I guess my title says what I do. And he does it very well. Thank you, Carlos.
7: Suzette Casillas, I am,
4: what do you say, Jack of all trades. Um, We answer the phones and
8: help all of the counselors and supervisors and everybody.
1: Welcome, Suzette. We're glad you're here.
9: Jessica Bartenbach, Training Center Supervisor.
1: Welcome, Jessica. We're glad you're here.
10: I'm Mickey Saltzman. Technically, I'm not really a staff person. Yet, I'm still in training, but I'm the technology specialist for the Omaha office. Yeah.
1: That's
11: Omaha's very own Mick Saltzman.
2: <laughs>
11: <laughs> I'm Nancy Kaufman. I am the technology instructor in the orientation center.
1: Glad to have you here, Nancy. Thank you.
7: Good morning, everyone. My name is Crystal Demas, and I am a supervisor for the North Platte District. I'm Kimberly Sherbarth, and I'm a vocational rehabilitation counselor with the North Platte District. Good morning. This
12: is Gracie Swim. I am a vocational rehabilitation counselor in northeast Nebraska.
1: Welcome.
7: Good morning. I'm Kathy Navarro, and I'm an orientation counselor out of the Lincoln District covering northeast Nebraska.
2: Welcome. Ted Habrick, I'm a staff trainee. I will be the shop instructor at the center.
1: All right, welcome.
11: Tammy Thomas, I'm a staff trainee. I will be a folk rehab uh, counselor in Omaha office. Welcome. I'm Nicole Gothier.
13: I'm the home management instructor at the center. All
1: right, welcome.
5: I am Lizzie Heidenreich. I'm currently in training, but I'm going to be an orientation counselor with the NBE.
1: Great.
13: Welcome. I'm Jeff Haldman. I'm the cane travel instructor in the uh, Nebraska Center for the
1: Blind. Thank you, Jeff. Welcome.
0: I'm Mark Coleman. I'm the client resource counselor for the Nebraska Training Center. Hi, Mark. Good morning. My name
14: is Eric Buckwater. I'm the supervisor of the Nebraska Business Enterprise Program.
1: All right, Hi, Eric. Good morning. I'm Hugh Fan, the technology manager. Welcome, welcome. Okay. Well, thank you. Well, how about uh, just a round of appreciation for those that make it better, make it possible for us to get the services we need? All right. Thank you. Uh, okay. And again. Uh, Carlos, I'd just like to thank you for uh, uh, truly being a uh, consumer-driven state agency where uh, the voices of the blind matter. So thank you. Um, We've got a full agenda. If you don't have an agenda, we do have it available in Braille and uh, large print. And then we also have it. It's on our website. So... uh, and we'll try to keep you up to date what's going on. But uh, we've got a full agenda today, and I'll have to tell you, we got a great lunch coming coming around uh, noon. It's going to be uh, catered in from hy so don't load up on too many donuts. Uh, uh, we're going to have uh, roast beef, uh, chicken breast, or a vegetarian dish, so, um, uh, and all the fixings with it. So we'll, that will give us something to look forward to for lunch. But uh, I would like to start with our first uh, program, our first uh, item on the agenda, and that's uh, Tracy Grothy, and I'll trace you on and introduce herself. But I've known Tracy for a number of years, and uh, she's like me; she's visually impaired, and she's uh, just making a difference out in the world. And uh, today, I've asked Tracy to talk about uh, um, about. Uh, Bear with me. Um, life after the pan- pandemic and getting back to normal. And who doesn't want to get back to normal after the pandemic? So would you join me in welcoming Tracy
15: Grothy? Thanks, Mark. Yeah, thanks. Well, good morning and welcome, everybody, to a Saturday morning after the beautiful weather, some rain. Yeah. Um, My voice is a little scratchy this morning, so I'm going to talk for a little bit. I'm going to give you a little bit of information about myself, um, where I come from, and what I'm doing now, and how I would like to have us connect and think about what we're going to do now to get back out into society again at the level that you're ready to do. Um, As Mark said, I'm visually impaired. Uh, I was born with optic atrophy. Um, I've been a client and worked with Commission for the Blind for many years, as well as a vocational rehabilitation counselor in my earlier career. Currently, I'm an independent practice mental health therapist. Some of you may know me from my email address and my business name, which is I Care Counseling. Um, I've been involved with uh, Outlook Nebraska and the Vision Resource Council and have uh, been quite involved as an advocate for the visually impaired throughout my life, as well as someone who's very passionate about helping people reach their potential. Um, some of that work that I've done has been in nonprofit organizations like the American Diabetes Association and I actually, I have to say this, had my first job at Radio Talking Book Network with the help of a, a name, Dan Hill, anybody remember Dan Hill? Yeah. Yeah. yeah, he was my counselor when I was a transition student and a student in college. Of course I've worked with Nancy quite a bit. Um, I did office in the state office building at the VR. I was a VR counselor in, and my specialty was placement for several years. Then I moved on to assistive technology partnership and Outlook Nebraska um, when it was at the other location before you all were here um, as a career development specialist. Um, I have my master's in counseling. I completed that degree at the University of New Orleans um, in Louisiana, so I spent about two and a half years in the south. Uh, lived in Pensacola for a while, and that's when I came back and worked at Nebraska for the um, state position as a vocational rehab counselor. Um, I love to travel a lot, and so you'll, if you know me, you'll probably hear me talking about travel or I probably missed my calling. I should have been in the travel industry, so... It comes up a lot in my sessions with people, too. Um, I am someone who likes to challenge myself, and you'll probably hear that um, if you ever talk with me. I do uh, like to get out there and do different things. And this, this time with the pandemic and having um, lots of things shut down was extremely hard on me, as it probably was for all of you. Um, So what I wanted to do today is talk a little bit about how do we get back and engage in the things that we're passionate about. Um, There's a lot of research out there that's showing that people who are isolated tend to not thrive, somewhat like animals and plants, right? Everything kind of grows in a group. Animals are in packs and people are meant to be together and work together as well. One of my favorite quotes that you'll also find on my website is from our hero in the blind world, Helen Keller. Alone we can do so little, but together we can do so much. So that's kind of my theme for today. I'm assuming that many of you have not seen each other for some time in person. Maybe you've been on the virtual um, Zoom meetings. Raise your hand if anybody's kind of sick of Zoom okay okay I know we learned how to use that technology and it is wonderful to bring people together and I know um, out there you people listening on the radio Um, that's a great avenue for us to use to stay connected at times but when you do it every day and by the way I'm a mental health therapist so my field had to pivot really quickly um, as did all of them to try to figure out how to use technology to still reach people and keep moving forward Um, When you're in the field of counseling, oftentimes people are coming to you with very severe issues and problems and they want advice. I would say that I'm a solution-focused therapist, which means it's not like what you see in the movies where you lay on the couch and you go see the doctor for years and years in your life. A brief counseling or solution-focused therapist is somebody who helps you figure out what the main problems are and tackle those with a plan. Not so different than what we do in the fields of helping, like in the VR world as well. Um, Some of my specialties are helping people with empowerment, getting back out there, dealing with disabilities, change, loss, grief, kind of everything that the pandemic did to people who didn't really think they had those kinds of issues in their life. One thing as a visually impaired person that I recognized myself, I don't do very well in isolation. I'm the kind of person that does better when I'm out and about. I have activities to go to. Um, I recharge being around people. When I'm by myself, something slips. You know, I am not gonna. I start to get a little bit less um, energetic, I would say. So what I want you guys to think about today is... I'm going to give an image here for you to pay attention and think or imagine about. You all know the story of the caterpillar, right? What happens to a caterpillar? Kind of goes in... Yeah, but first he goes into the cocoon, right? First, I'm I'm not a great scientist, so somebody can tell me how long. But they go in a cocoon, and they regenerate and metamorphically change into... A butterfly that has to take flight again, right? I kind of liken what we went through worldwide to that. And also, I think there's a parallel between someone who has developed a vision impairment, who may have had certain abilities and a certain life before the cocoon happened, right? Sometimes we go into that dark space. We have to learn how to do things differently. We have to learn how to engage differently with the people around us and also teach those support systems and people around us how to work with us differently. In a way, I think that what happened with the world shutting down, I'm going to use a term, I'm going to call them normies, people that didn't really think they had a disability or a disadvantage or something different all who are in that same spot. kind of leveled the playing field a little bit if we look at it as an overall idea. Um, when I have clients come to me, most of the time it's about trouble with relationships. It's about not feeling like they belong. It's not, they don't feel, either their job isn't going well, they're not able to communicate with their family or their kids. Sometimes it's coping with an illness or um, or a condition and, and that's involving grief. We went through collective grief in the world, and every nation dealt with it differently. I do believe that Omaha and Nebraska dealt with it a little um, more proactively, and we got back into swing in a lot of things, but um, you all may have different opinions about that, and so um, what I'd like to do is tell you a little bit about some of the authors that I like and I recommend, And then I'm going to have you talk a little bit amongst yourself, and I'm going to walk around a little bit and talk with each of you. And then the last 10 to 15 minutes, we're going to come back together for a discussion. Um, When I talk with my clients, one of the authors and social workers who's also in the field of counseling and research that I admire is Brene Brown. Has anybody heard of her? Yeah. Okay. Well, um... I went through the training of Brene Brown's work, and all of us have been to the rocks at some point in time in our life, whether it's an addiction or a a death in the family or a loved one or a divorce or chronic illness or disability or loss of job or a pandemic, right? So it kind of brings everybody to that level where we all have similar experiences, similar feelings, but when you try to deal with those all by yourself, sometimes you get stuck and you don't come up with new ways of thinking So, having a best friend is good, but also having somebody who doesn't have any skin in the game, really, per se, like, in your life, can give you some practical advice and also give you a perspective that you didn't know already. With Brene Brown's work, some of the things that she talks about is giving yourself permission to rest, giving yourself permission to say, today, I'm doing enough, right now, I'm enough. So if I can impart three things on you today, for um, being enough, what being satisfied with where you are at the moment is really helpful, and then coming up with goals. And those goals don't have to be huge, they can be little things, because right now, coming out of that cocoon, or when we're reborn, and in fact, we're right after Easter, so that kind of goes along with that theme. And I don't know if any of you know this, but the Julian calendar actually used April 1st as the new year because they, they um, had their calendar based on the seasons and the farming instead of January 1st. So in the old days, this is the first month of the year, so it's a time to make a bucket list, right? Um, <clears throat> and Nebraska, I feel like, anybody feel like we've been in winter for six months? Yeah, Yeah? didn't we have an early winter and then we just kind of skipped spring so far a little bit right So some of the things I'd like you to think about we're gonna I want you to get together um, at your table And you don't have to I'll have you get up a little bit after that but currently If you didn't have a lot of time to chat beforehand, I want to have a little bit of a discussion I want you guys to talk to each other about the categories that I talk to my clients about um, and going back to Brene Brown, that's the body, so our physical self. The mind, which is our mental self and how we talk to ourself and lead ourself, and which voices we listen to. The spirit, and that could be the, how the universe talks to you, whatever faith you have in that world. And then relationships, because relationships are involved in all those areas But I think it's a good category to talk about. How do you increase, make your relationships better, or find new ones? Um, In all of those categories, if we let toxicity into our life, it really does trip us up. It keeps us stagnant. It keeps us in the cocoon because we're trying to barricade ourselves and keep away from the toxicity or the harm. Um... So as humans, we have three choices, just like animals. We have a choice to freeze and do nothing and stay in that cocoon, stay in the safe cave, right? And hope that the bear or the lion or the Tyrannosaurus is not going to bite us or step on us, right? Well, another thing we can do is run away and hope it doesn't come after us. But the thing I want us to think about now is when that cocoon or that person comes out of the cave and they become a new butterfly or a new person, they have to have goals. How am I going to walk? Where am I going to do next? Who am I going to meet? How am I going to keep myself motivated? So those are some of the questions I want you to be running through your head. I'm going to walk around to each table. What I'd like you to do is have a discussion with each other about ideas in which you could expand your body, mind, spirit, and relationship connections. Give each other resources and ideas because you might have an idea of a place to connect or an organization to belong to to reconnect in the community than your partner does at the table. I'm going to give that about 15 minutes for conversation. I'm going to go to each table and kind of help guide you and facilitate that discussion and then I'd like one person at each table to decide to kind of report what you all came to, up with at the end. So we'll have about 15 minutes of discussion at the end, okay? So body, mind, spirit, and relational connections. How could you share your ideas of what your bucket list or goals are to help other people add those things to their list? Okay, everybody. Let's, let's come back together for about 10 or 12 minutes um so I did try to make it to every table. I think I love it that you guys are having these conversations. I hope I sparked an idea for you. And then after we finish wrapping up, then Carlos will be on stage. So he has to get ready. <laughs> okay everybody. Um what I'm gonna do, I think I've asked almost every table to have a little spokesperson kind of tell us what you came up with for new ways to get out and get active in the community and meet new relationships.
16: The different things, you know, we talked about, like, getting out, meeting new people, like, um, when, you know, when someone may move and, you know, depending on where they live, maybe doing activities at their, if their place, comp- apartment, whatever might do, um, like getting that, or different activities during the month, like, maybe a movie or a picnic or different things like that. at um, getting out, going Walking, going to the zoo. Um, now, here's one thing that we all have in common at our table. Um, every year, going to ski for light and getting to know new people, old friends. Um, they canceled, didn't cancel, did they? No. Nope. Not this year. No, no. We had it. We had it this year. We had. It was 2021 that was canceled. So we had it this year. That's activities.
2: Winter
16: activities. Yeah, I'm trying to think. What else? I know I'm forgetting something, but um,
15: okay. Um, who? Okay, thank you, Katie. Yeah. Did you guys have anything else to add? Nothing else. Okay. Um, this table right back here, closer to the middle. Did you guys have? Did you guys here have something? Someone that wanted to do the Dale. announcing? Dale.
17: Oh, we sat and we talked about uh, all the things that we have done. We're we're all of a certain age. Where we we have all spent much of our lives accomplishing things in the real world, and have uh, lost some or all of our vision uh, later in life, which which uh, I guess in one respect is on, on in one respect it's, it's probably a benefit although it makes things more difficult to adapt but people have uh the, the ladies here have all been accomplished in various fields and we've come to a, con- a consensus i think that regardless of your situation your uh situation in life you have to st- keep going out and doing things you have to get out like what was mentioned about the ski for life or light, uh, uh, some of the things that Outlook uh, provides opportunities for, like uh, golf, um, that you still have to be out there, you still have to do things, you still have to be out in the world. You, regardless of how rotten uh, uh, you've been dealt, as far as uh, that is concerned, you can't dwell on it because it'll eat you up. You gotta, you gotta let it go. You gotta move on. There's nothing you can do about it, regardless of what you might wish. And you have to get back out into the world and keep doing things. And that's, uh, I think, that's a consensus of this uh, group that I'm that I'm with. Yes.
13: Okay, my name's Nicole. Um, our group—we're a bunch of solitary introverts, so this was a little, a little tricky for us. Because we enjoyed the pandemic, actually, because everything slowed down. We were able to spend more time with immediate family, and you know, do more of the the living and enjoying life rather than having to do the work in order to live. Okay. But um, I like that. Thank you for bringing that. Yeah. Um, some of the things we did come up with is, um, you know, finding a group to exercise with because, you know, eating healthier and exercising is good for the body. Um, finding groups to do um, prayers with or affirmations and meditation. Um, groups to work on your hobbies with or checking out a book club because we do have a lot of readers. Um, and then as far as relationships, um we were talking about how much all of us enjoy nature, so you know, maybe finding a group to work on the neighborhood or cleaning up the neighborhood or other areas like parks, because then after you're done, you can have those moments of silence and stillness and just enjoying nature afterwards. So, I like
15: that. Great. Thank you very much.
12: This is Gracie um, from NCBVI, Voc Rehab Counselor. Uh, Our group, we talked about um, a lot of things. Uh, Going back to the gym, attending conferences like this, where you get to meet other individuals, Uh, networking. Uh, As far as churches go, we went from attending in person to ritually, and then getting back into the habit of going back in church in person, or either or, ritually. Um, Professional setting, because I was sitting at a table with uh, a couple of professionals from NCBVI, um, it was kind of uh, hard going from seeing our clients in person in their home to teaching skills virtually via Zoom and or, fa- or on the, over the phone, FaceTime. So we, as our consumers, had to learn how to teach those skills and apply it and to our consumers and learn it ourselves. Um, other things we talk about as far as children, um, going to children's museums, spring concerts, and school activities, and also family fun, fun nights. Uh, we commented how pre pandemic uh, there were some families, but post pandemic is like they doubled the presence of uh, families participating. So I think a lot of individuals were excited to get back in person. So those are some of the things we talked about. Did I miss anything?
15: That's about it. Thank you. Great. Thank you very much. this is amber um
9: at my table we kind of talked about different activities that we want to do now that things are getting back to normal and for me this is kind of an interesting angle because during the pandemic i was always at a you know i was at a rest period in my life i kind of needed that time to just take a breath sit in the house and have it be okay to do that for days on end but um you know Now that I've moved, you know, I've made a huge cross-country move, I have all these things I want to do. So we talked about the fact that I have been telling Jim for months that I want to go tubing on the river, you know, just do a float. And that there's this reptile expo in Bellevue that I found in a couple months. And that's one thing I find I'm struggling with is that, um, you know, balancing trying to manage how much I'm spending on transportation with my need to get out, and I know I'm spending a lot of time just in like a couple of places, and I need to expand. So, I've kind of realized I'm struggling with that a little bit. <laughs> By the way, I think the
18: enrichment rec program has tubing on schedule for this. What? What is Outlook enrichment has tubing on the schedule
9: for this
18: activity.
9: Oh my god. So, Paulette just made my day by saying that there is a tubing activity tentatively on the schedule for Outlook this summer. You know that as soon as that thing goes up on the website, I am signing up. (laughs) Jim, you're coming with me. (laughs) <laughs> <laughs> Anything
15: else? Okay. Is that good?
9: Um let's see. And I'm starting school soon, so it's gonna be interesting to kind of balance the bucket list with school, but you know, I'm excited about it.
15: Awesome. What are you going to school for?
9: Massage therapy. Yay! Yeah.
15: Working on body for people. Alright, that's a great. Idea. Okay, Mark, I can get it right about here if you can keep going another two feet up. Okay. Sure.
0: Okay. Um, In our table, we just kind of discussed some of the transitions we had to make um, during COVID and back again. Um, We had two people at our table from western Nebraska, and apparently in western Nebraska not a lot of things closed down, so there wasn't as much adjustments that needed to be made. Um, But we also talked about how it affected work and working from home and um, how that can be more productive, but it can also create a lot of challenges depending on what it is you're trying to do. Also, um, the, uh, as blind people, a lot of us walk as our primary means of transportation, which is also our primary means of exercise. So when things close down, sometimes there aren't as many places to go and we don't walk as much and don't exercise as much. So it's sort of been transitioning back to our normal physical activities as well as work activities. Um, and I think everybody seems pretty happy with where things are at now. Um, and it's definitely good to be back amongst people.
15: Thank you.
18: All right. So, of course, they made me come up. Um. <laughs> So um, we really want a big chunk of the conversation at our table that we had focused on um, peer relationships. Um, some of us had come from a background where we had worked in independent living centers and that real perspective of peer culture and support group. And um, was one of the things we talked about was Outlook Enrichment does have a support group um, that right now has about 12 on average, any given night, I have about 12 people participating in when we do it. And some of the things that some of the participants we had faced, we were pretty fortunate that we were up and doing activities pretty quick when the pandemic hit. And so some of those activities could, could still have been done with precautions. And so we did virtual game nights. We, done, um, we did uh, tech groups for parents who had kids who were having problems um, with accessing technology that their children might be using in the school system. So those were some of the things that we were doing then. Um, and we've been back to doing a lot of different activities, as I said a few minutes ago. Um, We've got a lot of different recreation activities from bowling, golfing. Um, Last year we did axe-throwing. Who was here for axe-throwing? I know I saw a couple of people. Lynn was, weren't you? So we did axe-throwing. We did shooting range last year. So it's a wide variety of (laughs) things. And a big part of it, we do both family activities, youth activities. You'll hear about some of those things more later. But we talked about really the importance of that peer relationship and the peer culture along the wellness will types of things, um, and how you looked at different aspects of it, and how everyone in the room and everyone at the table, you have something to offer somebody else, and you're always teaching. Regardless of if you think you are right now or not, you're providing guidance, you're providing suggestions, you're providing other types of things whether it's intentional or unintentional to help that next person and giving back to that next person who's visually impaired that you might come in contact with um, and so we talked about those as well as what there is a number of other disabilities at our table and so that affiliation with other groups beyond vision loss um, such as ucp and independent living centers and other things how they have other avenues and way you can keep Keep engaged in doing things too.
15: Awesome. That's a lot. Thank you. That's your specialty too. So I love it that you got to talk. <laughs> I put you on the spot. Um, this is Nancy. We
11: talked about some of what we did. Um, we didn't. We didn't get too much to the bucket lists, but it's, it was pretty much another introverted table. Um, some of us talked about how we had to pivot literally in a day. Um, Basically, our supervisor came around one night and said, take what you need and go home. (laughs) So we guessed and we boxed a few things up and away we went um, to figure out how we could use our personal gear to run Zoom and teach. And um, it took the the good news out of it was the creativity. One of the ways that we pivoted was on Fridays we did group day so that the students could actually interact with each other. And I was always at the end of the day. So by the time we got to meet, yeah, it was pretty quiet. <laughs> but um, we did guest speakers. We did... Um, technology for life and learned about how other students use technology and stuff. Spiritually, some of us go to church. Um, people found themselves doing neighborhood things in the parks, sunken gardens. Um, you know, wherever there was activity we managed to find it. And pretty gum much stay healthy. And then Everything opened back up, and most of us haven't. (laughs) My bucket list is to get my husband to Disneyland and finish my internship in early May. I am attending um, a... In classes to become a certified rehabilitation teacher through Louisiana Tech. So I did two quarters of actual academic classes and I am now in my internship. Well, I, My goal is to total between last quarter and this quarter to total 400.
15: Awesome. Thank you very much. Expanding our minds is, is part of that um, wellness wheel as well. Body, mind, spirit, right? Thank you. All
4: we have is store prices.
15: <laughs> okay. Is, let me ask if anybody else has anything to, Did you? Did we hit every table? I know that NCBVI might have one to talk. Would you? Anybody going to be a spokesperson back here?
5: Um, hi, this is Brandy from NCBVI. Um, we talked about. Things kind of separately, and then how all of the four pieces kind of go back together. Um, Obviously, like eating well and exercising, learning the balance between work, play, and learning in life, good sleep, um, making the effort to go out and put yourself out there trying new things. Um, We're all, at this table at least, pretty spiritual, um, but we kind of do so at home on our own time. Um and let's see a lot of giving back to the community is a great way to make connections surrounding yourself with positive people. Um, it can get tiring being positive all the time, um, but others being surrounded with by others um, will help everyone be stronger. Um, learning to set limitations for yourself, but willing um, to always be helpful finding that balance. And I think that about sums it up. Oh, and Carlos said, train yourself mentally to
15: keep going. Awesome. Thank you. Okay. In closing, I'd like to see if everybody could stand up, if those that are able to. We're just for a couple minutes here as we close. the main goal of that activity was to get you thinking, talking, interacting, remembering who people are if you haven't had this meeting in a while. And um, I want to thank you for participating. Sometimes when you're on the spot like that, it's difficult for those of us that might be introverts. Believe it or not, I was as a child. Um, probably took me to my junior year in high school to kind of come out of the shell. But um, So who would have thought I'd ever be a motivational speaker, facilitator, and a counselor? Thanks to people like Nancy, I can attribute that, to. Um, okay, so in closing, we've gone through a little bit of a metamorphosis, and there's going to be a lot more change coming around the corner. So for those of you to prepare for that, I'm going to teach a little stress management thing real quick. And so negative energy is never lost. It's just transferred. So when you feel the best way to do it is standing up, I'm going to ask you to draw your hands up from your waist over your head and take a deep breath in. In with the good, push out the bad. Push it out. And you just do that as many times as you can. In with the good, hands up to the air. Out with the bad, pushing down. And you do that, you're getting more oxygen in the brain and in all the blood vessels. It'll help you stop um, yawning. So if you yawn, that's what's happening. You're not getting enough oxygen. And you're moving the negative particles out of your body and bringing in, hopefully, all the good. Hands in the air, breathe in with the good, out with the bad. I know we started really quick this morning, so it's another way to stretch before you have another presentation. Thank you for your time. Um, again, my name is Tracy Grothy. I'm with iCare Counseling, and Mark knows how to get to me. You can also search me on the Internet, my name or the business, and you'll find my Psychology Today profile. If you know of anybody that is in need of counseling or therapy, I do life coaching, self-pay. I do take all insurances, Medicaid, and by January 1st, I'll be able to take Medicare. So thank you very much, and I look forward to talking with you later today.
4: Uh, right now, the first one, we'll go to Nancy Floral, and it's a door. I need it. Okay, so <laughs> the one over here. Yeah. She
1: got the door prize.
4: Yes. Okay, Kimberly, she gets a, a yep. take-along container and get, get, grab their names as you get them. Oh, okay. In case we'll need them at the end. Okay. And then... Can
19: Kimberly raise her hand?
4: Okay, next we got five dollars in cash to Tori. Tori. Okay, and next we have a coconut lime candle, and it was to Lizzie. Lizzie. And then we can have a fleece throw. I know it's going to be summer, but winter will come, and we'll need to throw something over. So, Leonard. Leonard, okay.
1: Well, thanks, everybody. You know uh, that was a great exercise. Thank you all for participating, and I, you know I learned some things. And uh you know, at a blind conference, we we want to learn about. Not everything is just about being blind, but as blind people, we need tools and not excuses. So, uh, thank you, Tracy, for helping out, and I, I helped me start thinking a little bit more about things I can be doing. So, uh, next on the agenda, we have uh, Executive Director Carlos Cervan from the Nebraska Commission for Blind and Visually Impaired, and and uh, again. I want to thank all of you people from the Commission for being here. Uh, I'm going to repeat what uh, Tracy said, alone we can do so little, together we can do so much. And, you know, one of the biggest keys of being a successful and independent blind person is getting specialized training and skills. And, and I, I believe that Nebraska is fortunate to have one of the better agencies in the country Uh, providing the best possible services here in Nebraska. So, would you join me in welcoming Carlos Cervan?
6: Well, thank you, Mark, for your kind words. I also want to thank um, Mark for serving at the Commission for the Blind as a, a board member. He also was a chair for several years. And I got to know Mark much better working together. He's a fine leader, a great person. So you are fortunate to have a a president like like Mark. He's talented, dedicated, and he spends a lot of his time giving back to the blind community. You don't see that on a lot of people. And and Mark is very unique on that. So Mark, thanks for all your work on that. Yep. now that doesn't mean he's not tough okay so he's tough <laughs> and, and, and I had um, I was also uh, experienced that which is good because it helps us to, to challenge <coughs> ourselves as an agency uh, we are supposed to challenge ourselves and Mark helped on that now As Mark asked me to come and and talk to you and give give you an update, I thought about, okay, I could just read a report, but I haven't been here for a few years, right? We haven't had a face-to-face convention for at least three years. Is that right? Yeah. Right. So I'll try to to give you an update what happened since then and then during the the COVID and then where we are now and where we, we like to go. In general, as you know, we had the baby movements getting ready to retire. And we did have a succession planning several years ago for that. And as we were getting prepared, all of a the sudden the, the pandemic came. And not just the commission, but almost everywhere, we had a hard time hiring uh, new people. So that was a, a big challenge for, for us. Pardon me? Oh, okay, I'm sorry. Yeah, I said that uh, it was a challenge for us to hire new people after the pandemic. Yeah. So then eh, the state also have hard time hiring. Eh, they didn't Pay enough, we try to increase salaries so we could attract more people. And they didn't approve our request to increase salaries. We pushed back with the union and Gloria, somebody saying good morning. <laughs> so we were able to to get not just for us but for, for most state employees a ten percent increase for most employees and a 20% increase for those who are uh, in the accounting area. And the way how it's going to work is 5% July of this year, plus the 2% cost of living. And the next year the other 5% and 2% for accountant people, 10% plus two, and next year 10% plus two. So that is helping us to attract more people, too, and of course, to keep some of our folks before (coughs) they they leave. As you know, we provide services all across Nebraska. Uh, We have counselors all over the state. Even though we close some physical offices, we do provide services all over the state. In fact, we, after revise... Uh, how we are doing business it was realized that it's, be- it's working better for the rural areas because for instance in Norfolk we have only one office and the two staff members were in that office and they have to drive from different areas. Now we have in the one person in the Columbus area and one by the Norfolk area and they serve all of that uh, northern area so it's working much better and we didn't have that many clients coming to to the physical office in the rural areas, anyways. Uh, we had hard time uh, with our budget in the past for different reasons. And I think I explained that to to you before. One of the areas we had to work on was finding funds for senior blind. I think. Um, Listening to consumers, I heard that we needed to find funds for senior blind services. I mentioned we provide services to to all the state, and I usually say, or I used to say, we are the rehabilitation agency for the blind in Nebraska. But what we need to remember now is we are the rehabilitation and independent living services for the blind in Nebraska because the state gave us money for independent living uh, funds, which is an ongoing uh, state fund. Uh, We made the case a few years ago and were able to get um, around $600,000. The way it worked was in the beginning was for senior blind only, but a couple of years ago, we were able to... uh, take away that language so it could be for uh, all clients who are on independent living, but of course mainly for senior blind. And with that, we are able now to get uh, those who are on independent living uh, services, get training at our training center. Uh, We have several clients from the center here. Uh, That couldn't happen before, to have senior blind clients coming to the center, or those under independent living. Now we we are able to do that. When we went to put the request, eh, one of the areas the senators look at is with the quality services. Eh, it's It's easy for me, or easier for me to make a case, when I know that there will be consumers like you coming to testify, the counselors provided very good services across the state, and several clients, when they heard that we were asking for funds for senior blind, they came to testify. I remember it was a cold day. In fact, they closed the schools because it was very cold and also snow. And people found a way to come to testify because it was important to them. Jim and Mark also went to testify representing the ACB, and that makes a, a big difference. So when, when Mark mentioned earlier that we are a consumer-driven or agency, uh, we are definitely consumer-driven. We want to work with consumers in, in a partnership. And to me, a partnership is uh, work shoulder-to-shoulder. Not tell you what you are supposed to do, you don't tell me what we are supposed to do, but like Helen Keller said, together we can achieve more and this is an example you know we worked together on asking for an increase, and we were able to get an increase for for senior blind now, as soon as we got the funds, <laughs> then we had a pandemic, and we were having a hard time hiring uh, people to cover those areas but Now we we do have uh, the staff members. In fact, uh, I could report that this year, even though we have less staff than previous years, well, I shouldn't say this year, this past year, this past year, uh, we serve 1,111 clients, 1,111 clients, six more six more clients than the previous year. And that was very hard to do when we were people. We were having people retiring, having a hard time hiring people. Uh, Our deputy director uh, found a new job as executive director in Connecticut. So we have a new deputy director, Nancy, retired. (laughs) We're still recruiting for her position. Connie Daly, the supervisor of the Lincoln District, decided to step down. So we are still recruiting for her position. Well, actually, we hired a new person, and she's going to start training next week or the week after. Uh, Crystal Dimas, who is here, she was promoted to be a counselor, I'm sorry, a supervisor at the North Platte District. So her position got vacated. Angie Half is now the OIB coordinator. So now we are recruiting for a, a position to serve in the SCAS Platt area. The technology position in for North Platte is also vacated and we are also recruiting for a new position in the North Platte area. So just for North Platte we are recruiting for three new people. Is that right, Crystal? So you, you, you get the idea, you know. Then in Lincoln, I already mentioned that uh, recently we were able to hire the new person for the chop. He's here too. It was very difficult to get somebody. The center, the chopping instructor, you know, teaching to work with uh, equipment so we can work on wood. This person, uh, I think is graduating next month, if I'm not mistaken. Yes. Yep. Uh, now, the center is fully staffed, right, Jessica? <laughs> no, we are fully staffed. It's just that one person is still on training. Yeah, we, we are not recruiting for, for the center, is my point, I think. We got the special need counselor and the apartment resource staff in place already. He spoke earlier, Mark. In Lincoln, we're still recruiting for the supervisor, but also for the technology position. In Omaha, we already have a technology position, but we're still recruiting for the supervisor, like I mentioned. For the Nebraska Business Enterprise Program, she's graduating next month from her training, but now Dave Robinson is moving to a new job in the private sector. So now we have to recruit a new person for that position. So I just can, I, as you can see, it, it, we had a very challenging year moving things around, getting new positions, training new people. State personnel is short of staff, so by the time we put a request, usually it usually takes several weeks for them to approve a position, then to advertise it, then to hire somebody. No, for the interview and all of that takes another month, a month and a half. Then for the training, another four months. Then once that person is out, takes between three to six months for the person to be very comfortable. So it really takes a, a long time for somebody to be fully, fully in place. And in spite of all of that, we were able to, like I mentioned earlier, provide training to 1,111 clients, six more than the previous year. And that's due to the dedication of field staff. So I I want to commend them, and if I could get a round of applause for them, for all the staff members. (laughs) I would like to leave some uh, minutes for for questions uh, in, in a couple of minutes. I just want to say that also we were able to, after a year and few months, hire a technology manager. Hugh Fang, he's here, right? I heard him talking. <laughs> he comes from the CIO. He was already a technology manager there. So we are expecting a lot of changes. One of the things we want to do is to modernize the, the agency Several of us are attending the conference this coming week, CSAVR and NCSAV, the two national agencies of rehabilitation. And we'll try to get as many ideas as, as we can. In technology, we were behind for a whole year, so Hugh is going to be heading that initiative. Uh, but in general, he sounds very excited about. Giving uh, all his expertise to us. We are very excited to have him here with us too. Technology is the present and the future. So, with that, as we are moving forward, I mentioned the pandemic, how things, how the pandemic changed things for us. And as we are getting ready for the next uh, stage, uh, we are working in a new Uh, succession planning. Uh, We are going to be putting together a committee of staff from all the areas. We are also going to be uh, working with Mark Schultz. Uh, He was the last RSA commissioner and also assistant secretary of the Department of Education. So he's going to help us moderate the succession planning committee to see our needs for the present and the future. So the new positions we hire will be uh, accorded to the needs of not just the agency, but the needs of the consumers, what we really need to do for the future. So with that, Mr. President, I'll be happy to answer any questions or listen to any comments. Uh, this is Dale. A <coughs> uh, uh, Question.
17: Have you found over the years you've been with the commission that demand for services has steadily increased? And have you been able to handle those demands um, for services, whatever services a party might be needing?
6: Yeah, the answer is a little complex. In general, yes, for both. But let me explain why I said it's a, bit, a little complex. What, what happened is the demand for VR services is very much the same, but uh, we got more pressure for pre-employment transition services, which means that we are supposed to provide more services to uh, the group age between 14 to 21 years old, as long as they are students. But 2010, we were providing a lot of services to senior blind, but we were told by RSA that we couldn't provide those services using, using VR funds. We couldn't do homemakers either, which was most of our services for senior blind. So we cut those services, in other words, that demand was there, but we couldn't address those needs. And now that we got the extra funds, we are able to meet that demand. I hope that answers your, your question.
9: I'm Amber. So, um, Hi, Amber. with the vacuums that you have in terms of succession planning, um, you have, what, four or five different positions open right now. Might it be helpful to either A, um, fast-track the the current center trainees by cutting down the amount of hours they have to be in immersion and b to allow anyone who's been through this through center training before to automatically get in the field and get to work
6: Uh, thanks that's a very good question one of the reasons why we are considered one of the best agencies is because uh, we want people to get this emerging training at the center and when you only provide a few weeks, it doesn't click. It has to be at least the 600 hours that we require. Mm-hmm. Yes, for those who got training before, we have an accelerated program. For instance, Mickey he was a client before. He went through the training center. So his uh, training was accelerated, and he's going to finish, I think, next week, if I'm not mistaken. So uh, I hope that answers your questions too. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, thank you for that. Um, there is a state law that requires 600 hours uh, of training under sleep shades uh, for uh, counselors to be working with blind people in Nebraska. So that's also in a state law. Oh. Thank you for asking that. I neglected to mention that. But not only we do that, but it's also mandated in law any other question
10: yeah carlos jimmy question um several years ago when i was on the board of commissioners um this the board decided rightly or wrongly to hire a consultant to come in and help deal with quote-unquote morale issues among the staff can i ask given given the given the pandemic and given the coming out of it so to speak phase and given all the openings there are, how do you see staff morale today versus prior to uh, the pandemic?
6: Morale is an ongoing uh, situation because it, we are constantly making decisions for, for different areas, and and the decisions impact how people work. But going back to what you mentioned, you know, it... it, it I think morale is going much better for for what people report to me. I can feel that we having a state staff meeting last um, week, and I could feel the energy, the enthusiasm. everybody seems to be happy. We have a, I believe 23 new staff members out of 40 staff, so that's more than fifty percent of our staff so. What happened in the past, and we work on those areas before when we had a consultant, we address those issues, and gradually we work out of them. So, morale in general is, is very strong in the agency, I, I believe. Thank you for asking that.
20: Hello, Carlos. This is Catherine Armstead. I'm a previous consumer um, of the um, on site for Lincoln. And my question is. I understand the um the uh focus on ages on the age group okay, um, and also on the seniors. I am a senior. Mm-hmm. However, I'm a very active senior and as an individual um focus my um understanding was that the training was going to be more <clears throat> in depth in the areas that were needed. Um, but my question is, when it comes to helping the consumer and laying out the, uh, the process of uh, actually completing the, um, the training, um, it's not as individualized as I didn't experience an individualized um, uh, path. Um, it was very concrete, very set in stone as to what you would and or would not be able to um, focus on. And I understand the uh, pandemic and things of that nature. Um, but how do you get to the position where those, that, those consumers that um, – need less of one area and more of the other, how do you enhance their experience as far as uh, helping that consumer in the the areas that are actually needed?
6: Like I mentioned, um, I don't know if I'm in the menu or in the (laughs) agenda. Tough question. Very good. the, the training center, and again, when I mentioned that we are one of the best agencies, and I'm not saying just because I'm the director. Before I moved to Nebraska, that's what I heard about Nebraska a lot too as, as a blind consumer. It was because mainly because of the way how the center training was. And at the center training, the way we look at it is with a curriculum. It's like when you go to college, there is a curriculum and you are expected if you want to graduate from a certain career, to take all those classes. That's how the center is. Uh, on the field, we do more individualized services. you know. But the center, uh, we take the client how they come. Uh, there are some, for instance, like I mentioned, Mickey. Well, he's a staff member. But some folks who already know Braille, they know some technology. Well, we still work with them on Braille. And technology to even work better on that. It, we have some clients who say, well, I already read Braille. Well, how many words per minute do you read? Well, 70 to 80. Well, let's work, let's work on it so you can read 100 or 120. Well, I already know some uh, computers. Well, let's work on that so you can learn to do PowerPoint uh, and, and do more sophisticated stuff with the computer. Well, I already know how to travel. I remember myself, I thought I knew how to travel, but (laughs) I I was expected to do more, and that helped me a lot because I travel all over the world, and I do it on my own. And if I wasn't expected to do all of that, I probably wouldn't. So I I hope that answers your your questions to that.
20: Actually, I was um, speaking of how how the um, more targeted um, consumer can... um, in college, you get to pick that degree. So you have that track, and I understand it. But um, you also <coughs> earn a more, say you have a, 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 a class that you have to choose from. If you already have experience of one, you can bypass that and go to the next step. And so my question is just how do we get to the point that that consumer can bypass some parts, and I understand that it's a process, but how do we target their need more?
6: Well, again, the the need is targeted more once they finish the center training. At the center, they do all of those. Now, if the client is having advanced skills in, in some areas, Many times we determine, okay, you are doing very good in Braille. Uh, You're very, very good, but you need maybe more in technology, so we will give you extra time in technology. But uh, we evaluate whether or not the client is really advanced. We don't let the uh, student... Come and say I don't want to take this class. I want only technology. I don't want to travel. They have to do all of the classes. That's why it's the the center. That's what I mean about. It's like a like a curriculum from college.
11: This is Nancy. One opportunity that people should talk to their counselors about is um, the informed choice of. You know, between training programs, and there's a lot of a lot of reasons that people choose other training programs. Um, some people choose a different program because their families are too close and will interfere, and some people, um, you know, do want an alternative uh, alternate training model. So our center is one model um, that that doesn't make us. It, it it's a very intensive model, um, and and I I think, you know, in our tours, we have become clearer about what is expected in each class, and you know, pe- people. I hope, know what they're getting into.
6: Thanks, Nancy. Any other question before I mention a couple of more things? No, okay, I want to um, end by stating how important it is to have a separate commission for the blind. As Mark mentioned earlier, we are a consumer-driven organization. There is a, a group of five commission board. They govern the, the the agency, their main job is to, to find a director and to set the expectations uh, and make sure that it's consumer-driven. Uh, the law says that at least three of the board members have to be blind. And in Nebraska, it's working uh, very well. Uh, New Mexico, Iowa, they have also commissions. But it doesn't say that the the, the board members have to be blind. So actually, anybody could be there and and be a commissioner and don't know what to expect. Uh, Let me give you a couple of examples of why I'm thinking or saying that uh, having a separate commission is very important. Uh, Well, first of all, because the board are the ones who uh, support the director and the agency not necessarily the governor or the umbrella agency or in that case could be HHS, the entity that we were under before. And what happened is during during COVID the blind vendors were the ones affected first. You know federal buildings, state buildings were closed. They didn't have business We approach RSA, RSA is the Rehabilitation Services Administration, and say, listen, blind vendors need help. What can we do? And they didn't say anything. So the NCSAB is the National Council of State Administrators of Agencies for the Blind. We have conference call every month. So we had an emergency call and also say, Okay, you know, our blind vendors need help. And they always always wanted to wait for the federal agency to give guidance. Well in Nebraska I say I'm not going to wait. So I called Mark, he was the chair there and explained the situation and he said, Go for it, I'll support you. So we did provide services and support to the blind vendors. The only agency in the nation that took that risk and the first agency in the nation than total risk, after four or five months, they RSA decided, yeah, you can do that. see the big difference uh, and the big advantage of being a separate agency for the blind having a consumer driven organization i mean consumer driven agency and I can give you more examples about that, and the reason why I am in that is because uh, I just learned that there is a, a bill in the legislature that, and it's a priority bill, that is asking uh, the senators to create a committee by 2025, I think, that will study and analyze how effective each commission is in Nebraska. And if the commissions are not effective, they want to eliminate that commission. So I just want you to know that's coming up. It's not new that it's happening also in Iowa already, right, Mark? Uh, Going going back to working in a partnership, uh, I think we are going to be asking you, consumers, when the time comes that they are evaluating the commission, you can can go and testify too. Uh, That's my final comment, Mr. President. That's right. Well,
1: thank you. Um, um, You know, I'll just have to say I was, I'm the only commissioner left that was on the uh, board when we hired Carlos. And uh, that's how many years has it been, Carlos? Five? Six years. Six years by the time flies. But, uh, you know, I've gotten to know Carlos over that time, and I can vouch for he's a hard worker. He's a great listener. And the thing I like the most is, He cares about blind people. And to me, that's what it's all about, you know. You can talk about philosophies, you can talk about uh, a lot of different things that are important. But the most important thing to him, and I think to me, is he cares about blind people reaching their potential, being independent, being able to speak for themselves. being able to earn a, a decent living, being able to travel independently—that's what he cares about. That's what the commission cares about. That's what the ACB cares about. So, uh, you know, it's been an honor to to work with him. So, thank you. Thank you, Mark. All right, we're going to do a break. But before we do a break, we got some door prizes. So, Sharon, let them know what you got.
4: Okay, and. I'm not drawing names. Jimmy Rock is. So if you don't like what you get, I guess you can yell at him for drawing names. Okay. I have a from uh, Nancy Floral. She donated $5 to and Kathy N. And then we have Old Spice Relaxed with Lavender Soothing clean hair and soothing scent, Tyler. Okay, we have a coffee mug, Janet Dolas. Okay, and now we got another take-along smaller storage unit, things that you put In your refrigerator, Tammy T. And Carol donated uh, some paper plates, and Tina Lynn got it. And the last one I get from the Lincoln Chapter, $5 from ACB Lincoln Chapter.
1: Well, we're going to take about a 15-minute break. I think we can get back on schedule. So, check out—you know, there's some fruit and donuts and stuff in the back if you're if you're hungry. But remember, we got lunch in about an hour. So, uh, if you need help finding the restrooms, just let us know. But we'll see you back at about uh, 10 after 11. Okay? We're going to get uh, started again and. Uh, one of the things that we're going to add, add one item to the agenda, and I, I normally I like to stick to the agenda, but every once in a great while there's something that is very important that comes up and special, and this is one of those times. So I'm going to invite my good friend uh, Jim York to come over here.
10: Uh, next thing on the agenda, I think, is, is a presentation from Nancy Floral. I think one of the things is a presentation from Nancy Fluor. I think that's next on the agenda. She's going to talk about geese.
11: But she's not going to talk, yeah.
10: Oh, yeah. uh, One of the things that, uh, for those of you that know, unless you're under a rock, Nancy had been had retired from the agency back on February 28th, and um, I was about 12, 13 at the time, and I was I loathed with a passion, and still do to a certain degree. Uh, the sleep shade methodology and training I was back in the kitchen in the Omaha office preparing spaghetti And me being a teenager at the time 13 14 whatever it was I had the um, I had a habit of wanting to peek When I was doing what I was supposed to be doing under sleep shades And Nancy caught wind of it And she said next time you peek, I am going to turn out the lights so we went in the kitchen and doing whatever, stirring spaghetti sauce, whatever it was, and she left to do something, and I heard the door slam. And, of course, I lifted up the sleep stage and peeked. And somehow Nancy found out about it, and because she got even with me, turned off the lights, I was a little bit upset by it. And so I figured, you know, I'm stirring spaghetti sauce and this and that, and, and I thought, well, I want to get even with her that was the only time she wore that white dress because I used it as a napkin and wiped my hands on it. So one of the things that I did when she retired in memory of that episode back in 19-something-something, I actually went to the store, a can, bought her a can of spaghetti sauce, put it on a porch, along with a retirement card. And she, of course, she thanked me for it and said, I'll use this for spaghetti this week or lasagna. But one of the things I wanted to say very quickly, and Nancy, I mean, since I said this at the commission meeting back in February, you were probably the hardest-working person in the Omaha office, and the Omaha office hasn't been the same without you. And as the agency hasn't been the same without you, and I wanted to thank you again for the service you provided to the blind and vision and impaired community, whether it's NFB, whether it's ACB, whether it's OAB, whatever it was. You're a trooper, and you are being missed. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, Nancy. This is your life. <laughs> oh, wait. Thanks,
1: Nancy. Uh, Nancy has just been... I'm so glad you're here today because it wouldn't be the same without you. So th- thank you for keep- keeping up contact. Okay, we got door prizes. So, Sharon. Okay. Right, and we have a five
4: dollar cash for Chris Brent Porter from Nancy. Mm. Crystal donated two Main Street theater tickets
1: and to Gloria. Oh, why? Two. Exarmant Movie Theater. All right, well, thank you, uh, Sharon, and congratulations. We're going to have more door prizes to come, so if you haven't won yet, you still got an opportunity to win later. Okay, next on the agenda, and I'll, I'm going to try to get us back on schedule, so I'm going to keep my comments brief. And it has to do with uh, uh, I currently serve as the American Council of the Blind, of Nebraska designee on the uh, Nebraska Commission for Blind and Visually Impaired Board. And uh I can't tell you what it it's one of probably the biggest honors I've had in my life uh was to um be part of a be part of a, a process that is is that is very important for blind people. You know we're unique here in in Nebraska that we have a commission for a blind and we have a separate state agency. Not every state has that. It just didn't happen. The blind people in Nebraska made it happen and i I can't tell you i I firmly believe that when you have a separate agency for the blind, the blind are going to be better served. Because a lot of learning and a lot of vocal rehab is like saying, "Here, watch what I do, do it this way, do it that way, and blind is a whole different ball game and uh, and also I think when when you when you experience blindness, it's just not that you're going to have difficulty with a job; it impacts your ability to live. And I know there was a question about at the center, you know, why do I need to learn some things? I want to just learn these things. As a blind person, you need to learn a lot of things. And part of what we do at the center is we prepare you for life. And uh, I know uh, some people, I've heard some people say, well, I just want to learn computer stuff. Well, as a blind person, you, you also probably need to have some travel skills and need some different things. So I'm, that's not my subject area, but uh, it is important that we, we, ha- we have services and support for the blind. So uh, Nebraska truly is a uh, consumer-driven state agency. Um, I can tell you that uh, Executive Director Servan embraces that, uh, not only as an Executive Director, but as, first and foremost as a blind person. And I can't tell you how how happy I am to see all these new staff trainees and NCBBI staff here. Uh, we, you know, sometimes you don't get the appreciation and love that you deserve, but uh, you are needed the work that you do matters. What you do not only changes the lives of the blind people, it impacts the people, their family, and their friends, and uh, I think here in Nebraska we do it the right way. We believe that, you know, attitude's everything. You've got to have a good attitude. You've got to have a desire to do it. Uh, You need high expectations. And that's what we have here in Nebraska. And that's, as a commissioner, that's what I tried to convey, too, is, you know, we, we you know, it's all about jobs. It's all about uh, getting uh, people to live independently as blind people. It's, 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 it's okay to be blind. Uh, it's not okay to feel sorry for yourself and not do anything. Uh, you know, uh, you people that are at the center right now, Congratulations. You're doing something that most blind people do not do. You choose to make a sacrifice and a commitment, and it's not easy. It's tough. But I can tell you if you if you continue to work hard and you you stay with it, you will be m- much much more likely to be employed, stay employed. Your life is going to be more independent and happy. So, uh um, one of my biggest wishes, and I'm not going to be a, a, a um, commissioner for much longer, this is the end of my year, but I really want to see as many people go through the center as possible, because I think when they do that, we have people prepared for life. Uh, other other states will do, uh, well, they'll just kind of come in and help you, and help you limp along, and then you 're back there a year from now or two years from now, so a lot of times when you 're at the at the commission they 're working to to get your core right as a blind person, so that you you have the abilities you have the confidence and I think as much as anything it 's an attitude you need to have the attitude and the confidence that you can do anything and that's you know that 's what I see as a commissioner for the blind and that 's what I support. Uh, you know, we have five commissioners that the governor appoints. Uh, I, I'm the ACB designee. Uh, National Federation of the Blind has a, a designee. And then there's three other uh, uh, people that are at large. And we're fortunate to have... Kimberly, are you out there somewhere? Kimberly was a commissioner for uh, a, a couple of years. And uh, it's it's kind of neat to see her now as... Uh, On staff, and that's gonna. I think that's gonna um, give her uh, a unique ability to even be a better, better staff person and be a good, good person to work with consumers. And then uh, Jim, you out there somewhere? Yeah, Jim was a commissioner, ACB designee for eight years. And one thing about Jim, you know, he still goes to a lot of the quarterly meetings because uh, he cares deeply about the the Nebraska Commission for Blind and Vision Impaired and more importantly he cares about the blind in Nebraska getting the best possible services so Jim has been a champion of getting the best possible services i learned from jim and i i he and i are when i'm done being a commissioner i think we're going to sit together and and just listen and continue to be heard so but that 's all i 've got to say is uh, it 's been a real honor and a privilege to serve as a commissioner it 's a unique opportunity uh, you know we 're not perfect you know the, the commission's not perfect you know and, but we 're trying yes oh yeah, the next meeting is october uh, it's october uh, may we're may coming up in may May sixth, and it 's going to be in uh, Columbus yeah the, that's Columbus and you know uh over the years uh, ACB members have, have done a pretty good job of going to the meetings and being seen and heard and and that's important so we we try to go when the meetings are in Omaha in November and Lincoln in uh, February so um um again I, I as a commissioner it's just it's heartwarming to to know that even though we've lost a lot of great people retiring, that they're bringing in some great new people, that they, they have a desire to serve, uh, they're getting the best possible training, and they're going to be prepared to continue on. Because, you know, the Nebraska Commission for the Blind's going to be around after Carlos Servant and Nancy Fleur and Jim Urock and Mark Bolger. So one of our duties as blind people... It's to promote the Commission for the Blind, encourage them, utilize the services, and help show the public and taxpayers when we invest a little money in blind people and the Commission for the Blind, it's an excellent return. So that's really all I got about the the Nebraska Commission for the Blind being a commissioner. So uh, we'll move on to the next item. Uh, And that is... uh, is it nancy yes. nancy nancy you're next <laughs> yeah and if you this is the, the gal that jim was talking about okay
8: you know i'm going to take advantage of the mic for just a minute and just say that um i it, did work with the agency for a little over 40 years um I think it's the best thing that ever happened, and I love my job. But I also believe that with any organization, having new people, new blood come in bring really great creativity. Um, And so none of us should be um, scared about change. It's just sometimes it's the unknown that we get nervous about. But really, you know, not knowing the full agenda for today... Um, There is a real common theme from how we started to every presentation up to where I'm at today. And Jim contacted me last week about making a presentation and having no idea um, how the lessons from the geese that I got from Business Week a million years ago, um, how it really is addressing how organizations and, and it's really addressing leadership also, because everyone in this room, whether they're working for an agency, whether they're with a consumer organization, we all need to take some ownership in the organization and really either take leadership or to support the leadership as a part of the organization so that we continue to grow. So I'm going to try to keep this brief also so that we stay on on um, track with our agenda. So this is the lessons of the geese. There are seven life and leadership lessons that we can learn from the geese. Geese fly together. They share a common goal and direction. Geese fly in a perfect V formation. The studies have shown that um, in this way, they're working together in in teamwork, and they add 71% more. Flying range versus when they're trying to fly alone. This is because each bird flaps its wings, it creates an uplift, and and that reduces any air friction for the birds that follow. The lesson people share a common goal and direction, can get where they're going much faster and much more efficiently because of the benefit from working together and the momentum of the group. Geese stay in formation. Whenever a goose falls out of the formation, it suddenly feels the drag and the resistance of trying to fly alone and quickly tries to get back in formation. The formation not only makes it easier for the bird to fly, but it increases a flock's overall visibility too, as well as their power to be seen. The lesson is is that once you've established a good team, staying together and working together, the synergy cannot be created by a single person working in isolation. So it is important to stick together. A sense of community emerges from the willingness to work together as a team. Not only is it more efficient, but together you have better visibility of your surroundings and your common goal. Three, geese rotate rolls. They encourage the leader and empower others to lead. For the lead goose in the formation, drag is high. When the lead goose is in formation and becomes tiring, it rotates back to the formation and another goose takes the place. The lead goose then immediately feels the advantages of the lifting power from the birds immediately in front of it. The lesson is: it's important to share the load amongst team members. We not only are able to admit when help we, is needed, but we can should be able to work to empower those around us to take the lead too. Everyone has different skills, capabilities, and sharing the load gives others the chance to shine. Expecting one person to take all the work is unrealistic. People work better when interdependent with other others and one another. Number four, geese are noisy birds. So, hence, geese, um, you know, they recognize and they support each other. Um, there's a number of theories um, as to why geese have... Be- have honked between themselves one is that they use their honk to encourage each other another theory is that the honking is used to communicate where each goose is in its formation the lesson is in groups where there is encouragement the productivity is greater in a fast-paced working environment, um, busy organizations, busy lives, remembering to promote and recognize encouragement towards each other, including the leaders. So making sure that we're staying um, positive and encouraging, it just helps all of us to be motivating and helping us achieve our goals. Number five, leave no goose behind. When they stand by their flock in good times and bad, when a goose gets sick or wounded, two other geese will drop out of formation and then follow it down to help protect it. They stay with the goose until it dies or is able to fly again. Then they launch back up and either rejoin their formation or join another formation. The lesson is is to stand by each other in difficult times. It's easy to always be a part of a winning team. But when things get difficult, people are facing challenges. Um, If they're facing challenges, that's when reliance as a team member um, should be coming forth. It's important to be there and to support one another. Number six, geese maintain priorities. They stay committed to their team their core values, and their purpose. Geese migrate through routes that don't vary. They they have kind of set um, territory migration patterns. Um, and so um, the lesson is, is to stay true to your team core values and purposes, the strategies, the tactics, and products that may change in order to... Uh, um may impact your organization, to remain agile and to um, help promote your great team and helping them to stay stick and stay close and stick to their core values and preserve them with pride. And number seven, geese are disruptive. Geese often seem unflustered as they meander along the side of a busy road. However, they are most likely uncomfortable about being surrounded by large or noisy vehicles. The lesson is, is disruption means getting a bit uncomfortable. Those who are disruptive challenge themselves by setting and achieving goals. They cannot... um, They... They come out of their comfort zone and um, put themselves out there to help really address difficult situations and, and take on new challenges. So, you know, just to summarize is that you, each and every one of you, if you look around this room, you're here because you care about blindness. And we have as a whole, not one of you individually have been able to do things but collectively we have been able to achieve a lot and I think to reiterate a few of the points it's because of the consumer organizations working in partnership with the Commission for the Blind that we've been able to achieve so many great things I'm talking about the Braille Bill I'm talking about the independent um, Commission you know that helps us to have an independent agency you know the the randolph Shepard little Randolph Shepherd Act that really impacts the employment for blind vendors. the list could go on the the funding for older blind the funding for the agency as a whole so the big thing is that don't sit here and think that i don't have anything to offer or maybe you're that introvert that isn't sure that they want to get involved but you have great leaders in this room you know and there's things that you can do whether it's a phone call or whatever to support the organization to support an agency you know, none of us can do it alone, but together we have achieved great things. We have a lot of changes that are happening, um, but change is good. But we can be supportive of all of that and one another. And to remember, um, it's, it's so interesting hearing all these previous presenters and, and going back to some of the work that um, Tracy started with, is that it's all about our mindsets. We can think of, oh, I can't do that. I'm, I'm not sure if I'm good enough. You know, it's that, that, that inner voice that we have. Um, realize that you, you can do that. And, um, and that each person in this room has made a difference and can continue to Make a difference, and so I want to make—I want to hear those disruptive honkings, and um, to hear that all of you are working on that kind of collective uplifting um, from the geese. So, I want to thank you, and I think this is an exciting convention. So, thank thank
1: you. All right, Sharon, do you have any door prizes? We always have door prizes. <laughs>
4: okay, we got two more movie theater tickets and one and they go to Mark.
3: Good job, Mark.
11: They go to Mark.
4: And then we got two more and they go to Mickey. Mickey, raise your hand. <laughs> yeah, they, yeah, so sure they get <laughs> and then from ACB Lincoln Chapter of $5 to Eric. Eric Eric Okay, and we got four more placemats, and these have... Uh, pansies on them or and ro- on one side and roses on the other and they go to Crystal okay
0: alright
1: All right. well thank you Sharon for the door prize uh, congratulations everybody next on the agenda I'd like you to welcome the NFP Newsline coordinator uh, Kimberly so Kimberly here's your microphone
7: um, so, actually, Mark mentioned earlier that I had been a commissioner previously, and I learned a lot from Mark um, while on the commission board and I appreciate everything you know that Mark does as a commissioner so Anyway, I wanted to share information with you about NFB Newsline, so it is an electronic news service for individuals who have some type of print disability. And that might be low vision, blindness, it could be some physical disability that makes it difficult to hold a book, something like that. Um, so, the news service has, here in Nebraska, um, there are three local papers available the Omaha World Herald, the Lincoln Journal Star, and the Grand Island Independent. Um, there are You know, a lot of newspapers throughout the United States are available as well, and any Newsline member can access those. There are national newspapers as well, um, Wall Street Journal, um, New York Times. um, There are over 70 different magazines. So there's really, I think there's over 500 publications total. Um, there are international newspapers available, and they're available to subscribers on various platforms. So, that might be um, you might use your telephone, just a regular landline telephone um, with a touch tone pad, and um, you can navigate the newspapers, magazines, and any of the materials that way. Um, you could also access Newsline on the computer. Um, Alexa, um, there's a skill, and um, it's available there. Um, The Victor Reader Stream. And then any of you who are NLS, um, the Talking Book and Braille Library Services, if you're a Braille reader and you have the e-reader, Newsline is available on the e-reader as well. iPhones, yes, there's an app. Um, It is just says NFEB Newsline. You can download that from um, the... Apps, the Apple App Store. So it is currently only available on iOS, but they are working on an Android version. So hopefully that is to come soon. One nice thing about Newsline as well, if you use the iOS app, um, NFB Newsline, it also has the KNFB Reader Basic as part of that. So that is an OCR. um, It. Ocular character recognition, so you can use that app to read printed material Another thing on the landline, you can access, and this is a wonderful thing to know You can access job listings So it's only available currently um, for the people using, well not even just a landline, but a telephone So dialing in, um, it can be on your smartphone and you dial in as well um, so that is available. You can save a profile and save, like, whatever position you might be looking for for um, employment. And then you can have emails sent to you when any postings in that area come up. And actually, even with the newspapers and magazines, you can save your favorites and you can have articles emailed to you. Um, So it's a great resource in general. If you're interested in Newsline, please feel free to um, reach out to me. I gave some print flyers to Mark, um, President Bulger, and so I didn't bring all the Braille ones. Sorry, we're going to be traveling, and I didn't want to have to take them home with me. If you need a Braille, some Braille information, please let me know. I can get that to you. Mark actually has my personal phone number, so if you're interested, you know he can give that to you and you can um, get connected and I can get you signed up. And again, it's a free service. Anyone who has a print disability is welcome to um, reach out. Yes? Computer. You can do both, computer or phone. Or, tele- or telephone. telephone or Victor Reader Stream, um, Amazon Alexa. There are lots of different options. So with Amazon Alexa, it's really simple. Um, You set up the skill, and the skill is National Federation. So when you go to set that up, that's what you do. Um, You just use National Federation as the um, skill to set up. And then when you go to use it, it's hands-free. You can just say, ask National Federation to read um, the Wall Street Journal. And then you can say... Read the next article. Go back an article. Um, turn up the speed. Turn down the speed. Mm-hmm.
1: Is there an initial setup
7: on the Alexa? Or- there is. There is a skill that you set up with Alexa. It's a um, it's National Federation. And if you're interested, Mark can give you my um, information, and I would be happy to um, walk you through the process. Mm-hmm. In- Sure, Jim. I assume you're taking sign-ups
10: today if people want to
7: sign up. Yes, yes. If anybody's interested, you know, please come talk to me and I would be happy to get your information. I am. Okay, thanks Amber. Me too. Okay. Yeah, so, you know, please feel free to reach out um, and I can get your information. Well, I am sitting on Okay. I'll have to. Yep, and that's just fine. Okay. Yes. All right. Any questions?
1: Any other questions? No, just thank you. And, All right. and there, and there's a lot of great information there. There's no reason you can't be reading the newspaper. <laughs>
7: exactly. hope so. Well, and if you don't know about Radio Talking Books, you can even access even more newspapers in Nebraska. They read those. Um, they have volunteers that read those, and they are here in Omaha. Yes. So. You guys probably already know about them, but they're
1: a great resource yeah, as well. Thank you. Well, thank you, Kim. All right, we're going to do just a couple door prizes, Sharon, and then we're, uh, I'm going to have uh, Kim come up and kind of tell you how we're going to do lunch, okay?
4: Okay, okay we, have a, we have a $5 gift card donated from the Omaha chapter, Theodore. Theodore. Then we have another five dollar gift uh, cash card, and that goes to Hugh. Hugh. Where is he? Oh, he, where is Hugh? <laughs> then Nancy C. We have a bracelet and earrings.
0: Ooh.
4: Nancy Kaufman. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, Carol Jubalisco. We have a manicure set. All right. Okay. Yeah. Is that it, Sharon? No, no. we got one. One more. And Barb, we have lotion.
1: Lotion.
4: is.
1: Lotion. All right. Yeah. All right, Kim. Can you come up here real quick and? Go, oh. Yeah. Some. Can somebody? Uh, is she in the back? Kim Dronick. Yeah. Can you just tell her? Mark needs her at the mic real quick. Um. You know we're gonna have. Uh, we're gonna serve lunch or dinner, whatever you want to call it. Then we got a really fabulous—I'm uh, gonna call him keynote speaker—that's gonna speak about probably about half hour after we start eating. So uh, lots of stuff going on here. So um, here you go. Just gotta... Okay,
19: this is Kim, and we are trying to serve up the food from the back room there. So if you can take your ticket that you got for registration and put the C for chicken, V for vegetarian, and B for beef, we will bring the food to you, okay? We also, okay, so what you're getting served, there's a vegetable lasagna or there's a chicken breast. Some we have two on. If you want two chicken breasts, tell us two. Otherwise, there'll just be one. And then we have the beef also. There are um, potatoes, not mashed potatoes, but they're more like roasted potatoes. And then there's a combination of vegetables, okay? We also on the back table have salad, a green salad. And we have a choice of Italian dressing or ranch dressing. And also there are brownies on the back table for dessert, okay? So, we're going to do the, the main stuff first, which is on the plates and things. If you want a salad, you're going to need to tell us salad, so we can get you a salad. Also, on the center of your table, you have napkins and the plastic silverware. So, you can help yourself to those, so you can be prepared. And if you can just get your, your area kind of organized, so that we have a place to put your plate, we'd certainly appreciate We also have dinner rolls that are coming, but there's no butter with the dinner rolls, so... Okay, we'll uh, we'll start serving here shortly, okay?
1: Thank you, Kim. Well, you know, and I'll have to say, I thank all the volunteers that are just stepping up and helping out. So uh, these are all volunteers that are serving you. Be very patient and appreciative uh, like like you are, and have a good time. How about a round of appreciation for all those people that are serving you? Thank you so much, Kim, and takes a lot of hands in the kitchen, but they're doing a great job. Uh, in about f- five minutes, we're going to have our keynote speaker for the day. Our keynote speaker, you know, we're, we, we went to an abbreviated schedule today. Normally, you'd have your b- big banquet at night and your, your speaker, well you're gonna get home early today and you're gonna hear be well fed and you're gonna hear a good speaker. So in five minutes uh, we're gonna start the speaker. So try to get whatever you need and be be uh, seated so we can hear the speaker.
4: Door prizes. Okay, we have a few more door prizes. Catherine, five dollars cash. Catherine Catherine what? Catherine, Catherine. Over there, okay. Okay, Suzette, she got a cranberry mandarin candle. She'll be around. Get, okay. <coughs> Dale, we got a set of salt and pepper shakers donated by Carol.
2: Spice it up,
4: Okay, Francie got a miscellaneous bag with some cups and whatever. I don't know for sure what's all in there. (laughs)
16: Francie, okay, there you
4: go. Becky Bradford got five dollars cash.
16: Okay, Okay,
1: thank
4: you. Oh, and Carlos got a scarf. Carlos
1: got a scarf. I'm gonna leave my bag here for
8: me.
4: Okay. There.
1: Oh, I need the name. Here we go. We're going to start the, the speaker, and I have a little introduction. So if I can get your attention. Uh, so here we go. Uh, Daryl Draper is a retired lieutenant commander with 30 years of military service. So that, that alone deserves... He served, served in combat roles in Vietnam and the Middle East. For the last 25 years, he has performed educational and entertaining speaking programs all over the United States and one of Nebraska's most requested speakers. The title of this program today is The power of commitment, and boy, we need this. So join me in welcoming Daryl Draper.
14: Thank you, Daryl. Hey, thank you, Mark. Uh, Good afternoon, everyone. My name is Daryl Draper, and I've been asked to give a talk that is informational, motivational, educational, and entertaining. I'm going to start with the informational part. Today is April 15th. (laughs) Ta-da! April 15th is normally federal income tax deadline date, but not this year, because it is the practice of the IRS whenever the 15th falls during a weekend, they move the deadline date to the Monday following the weekend. That would be April 17th. But not this year... Because two years ago, the District of Columbia, like Washington, D.C., District of Columbia proclaimed a new holiday called Emancipation Day. It commemorates the fact that on April 16th, that's tomorrow, but in the year 1862, the District of Columbia freed all the slaves in the District of Columbia. 3,100 slaves, and they paid compensation to the slave owners. Now, that was eight months before the Emancipation Proclamation, which only freed the slaves in the Confederate States. And it was three and a half years before the 13th Amendment was passed, which freed all the slaves in the United States. It is the laws and regulations of the IRS that any legal holiday of the District of Columbia must be treated like it's a federal legal holiday. So if the 16th is Emancipation Day falls on a Sunday, they treat it like a federal holiday. When a federal holiday falls on a Sunday, they move the holiday to the Monday following. That would be April 17th. That makes April 17th off-limits to the IRS. So they had to move the deadline date this year to Tuesday, midnight, April 18th. But it doesn't make much difference because the IRS estimates that 10% of Americans who are supposed to file federal income taxes won't file them by the deadline date, even with three extra days, because 10% of Americans never file their income taxes on time. It takes a little bit of commitment to get your income taxes in on time, and evidently 10% of Americans don't have that much commitment. And commitment can be an amazing and sometimes very, very powerful thing. Take, for example, in the year 1824, in Paris, France, at the Royal Institute for the Blind, there was a 15-year-old boy who was thoroughly dissatisfied with the means that they were publishing documents for blind people back in 1824. That was stamping out the entire block letters on the back side of, of wet paper, letting the paper dry, and the blind people had to feel the entire block letter. That was slow and very, very expensive. This 15 year old boy thought he could come up with a better way. He used a column of two columns of three in a six dot pattern, and by raising one, two, three, or more of those dots in that six dot pattern, it represented different letters of the French alphabet. His fellow students could read this new system much faster, and it was 20 times less expensive to create documents that way. Today, 199 years later, that is still the predominant system used by all countries around the world for publishing documents for the blind. The system is called Braille because the 15-year-old boy who invented it was named Louis Braille, a very young man with a very great sense of commitment to make the world a better place for himself and other blind people around the world. Here in the United States, June twenty seventh, 1880, in Tuscumbia, Alabama. Tuscumbia, Alabama, it's all the way north in Alabama, almost to the Tennessee border. There was a beautiful girl born to Captain Arthur Keller and his wife, Catherine. Beautiful baby girl named Helen, perfect in every way, healthy until she was 19 months old. When she was 19 months old, she contracted a terrible disease. We don't know for sure what it was. It might have been meningitis. We don't know for sure. Probably we'll never know. But that disease left her both deaf and blind. Now, it is very difficult to communicate with a child who is deaf and blind. So the parents hired a live-in teacher, a 20-year-old gal from Massachusetts named Ann Sullivan. Now, Ann Sullivan had just graduated from high school at age 20. She she had some delays in her education because she was partially blind herself and had to have five different operations while she was going to school to correct her vision. Uh, Ann Sullivan had never had a job before in her life, never had any formal teacher education, but she had become very skillful in the manual alphabet for the deaf that she'd learned from a classmate. Now, Manual Alphabet for the Deaf uses different finger positions and gestures to represent different letters of the alphabet. By allowing Helen Keller to feel her fingers as she formed the Manual Alphabet for the Deaf, Helen Keller learned to spell and could thus communicate. Several months later, Ann Sullivan allowed Helen Keller to feel her lips as she pronounced words, even sticking her fingers inside Ann Sullivan's mouth to feel the position of her tongue and Helen Keller learned to speak. Now, she couldn't speak very clearly. Ann Sullivan could understand her. Uh, her parents could understand If you were around her for a while, you could understand her. But if you were hearing her for the very first time, she was difficult to understand. So Ann Sullivan stayed with her as her friend, companion, and her speech interpreter for the next 49 years until Ann Sullivan died in 1936 as her speech interpreter. Now that takes a little bit of commitment right there, huh? Helen Keller went to a school for the deaf, a school for the blind, and then a normal high school where she's competing with other kids who could see and hear. And she rose to the top of her class. Very smart girl. She wanted to go to Harvard College, one of the most difficult colleges in the United States to get into. She passed the entrance examinations for Harvard, but Harvard rejected her. Not because she was deaf, not because she was blind, not because she wasn't smart, because she was very smart, but because she was a woman. In 1899, Harvard thought it was worse being a woman than it was being deaf and blind. But Harvard had another college right there on the Harvard campus called Radcliffe, exclusively for women. Helen enrolled in Radcliffe College and again rose to the top of her class. Not only did she rise to the top of her class academically, but while she was going to Radcliffe, she wrote and published her autobiography, The Story of My Life by Ann Keller, a worldwide bestseller. She graduated at the top of her class with honors. She was inducted into the Phi Beta Kappa Society, that's an honor society that only inducts one out of every 10,000 college graduates in America. She became a nationwide paid lecturer and then a worldwide paid lecturer with Ann Sullivan at her side, acting as her speech interpreter. She became a co-founder of the American Civil Liberties Union. She was a generous donor, tens of thousands of dollars to the NAACP because she was appalled at how poorly the Southerners treated black people. And she was an outspoken advocate for women's right to vote. In 1962, Hollywood made a movie about her autobiography called The Miracle Worker. Nominated for five Academy Awards, it won the Oscar for Best Actress for Anne Bancroft, who played Anne Sullivan, and the Best Supporting Actress Oscar for 16 year old Patty Duke, her first movie ever and the youngest woman ever to earn an Oscar in that category. In 1964, She was awarded the, Helen Keller was awarded the Presidential Medal of Freedom by Lyndon Johnson, the highest honor that America can award a civilian. Only one out of 10 million Americans per year get that award. In 1968, Helen Keller died just less than a month before her 88th birthday. But in 2003, the state of Alabama was asked to submit a design for the Alabama state coin. The The U.S. Mint was publishing 50 commemorative coins recognizing the achievements of all 50 states, and each state had to submit something for a design that represented the best of that state, what they are proudest of. The state of Alabama submitted an image of Helen Keller seated in a chair, reading a book with her fingertips, And to the right of her name was her name spelled out in capital letters, Helen Keller. And above her name was her name spelled out again, this time in Braille, the first and only time that Braille has ever appeared on U.S. currency. The state of Alabama submitted an image of Helen Keller because of her strength of courage and her tremendous sense of commitment to make the world a better place for physically challenged people. On the other side of that Alabama state quarter is, of course, the image of George Washington. George Washington has been on the face of quarters ever since 1932. George Washington was a man of considerable commitment himself. In June of 1775, he was named General and Commander-in-Chief of all Colonial Armed Forces, up against the... Largest and most powerful army of the world, that of the British Empire. His first assignment was to boot the British from Boston. After the battles of Lexington, Concord, and Bunker Hill, the British, 5,000 troops, had retreated to the city of Boston with orders to occupy and hold that city. They were protected there by 10 British warships that had 300 cannons on them. They were trapped there in Boston by 15,000 Minutemen, colonial farmer-soldier volunteers fighting for freedom and independence that occupied Dorchester Heights, a high ridgeline up above the only road that led into and out of Boston at that time in history. Now, the Minutemen couldn't charge into Boston and drive the British out because of those 300 cannons on those warships. And the 300 cannons couldn't knock the Minutemen off of Dorchester Heights because they couldn't shoot that high. Naval cannons were meant to shoot at other ships on the ocean on the same level. So for six months, the situation was a stalemate. Neither side could do anything against the other side. Then a 25-year-old former bookstore owner steps forward. His name was Henry Knox. Now, Henry Knox was a private in the Massachusetts... Uh, militia. He didn't have very much military experience, but he had more military knowledge than any other man in George Washington's army because he had read every book in his bookstore on military science and military tactics. And what he didn't memorize, he wrote down in notes that he kept with him in a leather dispatch uh, pouch at all times. Henry Knox goes up to uh, General Washington and says, sir, Did you know that back in May of this year, 1775, uh, Colonel Ethan Allen and his Green Mountain Boys militia captured Fort Ticonderoga from the British, and if you were to transfer the cannons from Fort Ticonderoga up here to Dorchester Heights up above Boston, the British would have no choice but either surrender, evacuate the city, or be annihilated. George Washington says, Well, thank you for your thoughtful insight there, private. But did you know that Fort Ticonderoga is two hundred miles north of New York City on the west bank of the Hudson River? That means it is three hundred miles away from Boston. There is no road between Fort Ticonderoga and Boston. That means you would have to cross the Appalachian Mountains in wintertime. There's already four to six inches of snow on those mountains. More snow is on the way because winter's just starting. It cannot be done. Henry Knox says, Sir, with all due respects, Give me 50 men on horseback, and on my word of honor, I will bring you those cannon. Whoa. <laughs> George Washington thinks, what have I got to lose? March 4th, young man. So Henry Knox leads his 50 mounted troopers across 300 miles of the Appalachian Mountains in wintertime. Arrives at Fort Ticonderoga, and there he, he enlists some of the Green Mountain Boys militia, to help him build a series of 75 sledges. What is a sledge? I'm glad you asked that. A sledge is like a supersized sled, three feet wide, 18 feet long. Each sledge is capable of carrying three quarters of a ton to a full ton of cargo each. Why did he need so many? Because there's 60 tons of cannons, ammunition, gunpowder, and supplies that have to be transported. 60 tons. You know what a refrigerator is, right? Now imagine 300 refrigerators. That would be about 60 tons. Now imagine dragging, I said dragging, 300 refrigerators over the Appalachian Mountains, 3,000 feet high, where there are no roads in the wintertime through the snow. That is the task that lies before Henry Knox. He hires some local oxen and uh, and draft horses from local farmers and incorporates some of the Green Mountain Boys to help him. And he starts off across the frozen Hudson River with these 75 sledges. The heaviest cannon, 850-pound monster, breaks through the ice, falls off the sledge, and sinks into 12 feet of water. 33-degree river water. A man has to go down with a big, thick, heavy rope, preferably a man who knows how to swim and can hold their breath, and tie that rope onto the cannon, and with the help of the oxen, the draft horses, the manpower, drag the cannon back up out of the river onto the ice, put it back on the sledge, lash it down, and start off across the Appalachian Mountains. Sometimes the trail they're following in the Appalachian Mountains is not wide enough to fit a three-foot-wide sled. The men have to go up ahead of the column with cross-cut saws and hand axes and chop down trees to widen the trail to permit the, the sledges to go through. Six weeks and 300 miles later, Henry Knox arrives at Dorchester Heights up above Boston City, with 53 cannon, all 53 cannon that he started out with. That, along with the six cannon that George Washington already had, but were completely useless up to now because he didn't have any ammunition or gunpowder for them. Now then, there are 59 cannon pointed down at the British in Boston. Remember I said that the British ships, their cannons couldn't shoot up to the top of Dorchester Heights and hit the Minutemen? Well, the American cannons could certainly shoot down far enough to hit the city of Boston thanks to an amazing law called gravity. George Washington fires off a 59-gun salute, and General William Howe, the commanding general of the British troops, realizes the gravity of the situation, and he runs up a flag of truce. He has a little chat with George Washington. He says, Sir... If you will allow my men to peacefully board our ships and evacuate the city, I will not burn the city of Boston to the ground as I leave the city. George Washington says, March 4th. So on March 17th, St. Patrick's Day, 1776, 5,000 British troops, along with 5,000 residents of the city of Boston who are still loyal to the King of England, form a little makeshift St. Patrick's Day parade down to the docks and get aboard 120 British ships and sail off to Halifax, Nova Scotia, and Canada never to return to Boston for the rest of the Revolutionary War. Victory for George Washington! Hooray! George Washington promotes Private Henry Knox to Brigadier General and keeps him by his side for the rest of the Revolutionary War. Thirteen years later, when George Washington is elected the first president of the United States, he names Henry Knox as the first Secretary of War for the United States. Today, Knoxville, Tennessee, the original capital of the state of Tennessee, until they later moved it to Nashville, located in Knox County, Tennessee, are both named after Henry Knox. Fort Knox, Kentucky, home to 8,000 tons of American gold reserves... Is named after Henry Knox. Nine counties throughout the United States, including Knox County, Nebraska, are all named after Henry Knox to commemorate his patriotic and unstoppable power of commitment to make America a free and democratic nation. 100 years after the victory at Boston, across the Atlantic Ocean in the country of France, there lived a man named Louis Pasteur, Louis Pasteur was a chemist and a microbiologist. He was not a medical doctor, like a lot of people think, but he was interested in diseases, how they're caused, how they're transmitted, and the human responses to to diseases, like running a fever when we get sick. Louis Pasteur wondered about that fever thing, and he did a little test. He took some disease germs in a Petri dish, a little shallow glass dish, about the size of a small ashtray and grew some uh, disease co- germ culture in that dish. And then he heated that disease culture up to 104 degrees Fahrenheit. 104 degrees Fahrenheit is the temperature we run when we get sick and run a fever. He looked at the germs under a microscope and he noticed that at 140 degrees, 104 degrees Fahrenheit, The germs either died or became inactive, quit multiplying. He develops a theory. At this time in history, France is plagued by an epidemic of anthrax, a deadly disease that's killing tens of thousands of French livestock every year. It's destroying the French agricultural economy. Louis Pasteur does an experiment. He takes a group of healthy livestock, cows, pigs, sheep, and divides them group A and Group B. Group A, he injects with an active anthrax virus. Group B, he injects with an attenuated virus, a virus that had been heated up to 104 degrees Fahrenheit. And he let the animals mingle all together, and all the animals in group A got sick and or died. None of the animals in Group B got sick, none of them died. He wrote up his findings in a scientific paper and presented that paper in the form of a speech to the French Academy of Science as an annual meeting of all the top scientists in France. They almost laughed him off the stage. After his speech, one of the top scientists comes up to Louis Pasteur and says, Do you realize how ridiculous you sound? You want to... Prevent disease in a healthy animal by injecting that animal with the disease you're trying to prevent? Why, even a schoolboy can see the absurdity of that logic. You will cease and desist from all such further experiments immediately, or you'll be prosecuted to the full extent of the law, or involuntarily placed in an asylum for the criminally insane. Well, Louis Pasteur didn't cease and desist, but he did limit his future experiments to laboratory animals, to rabbits and guinea pigs and rats, each one of his experiments tended to further prove his theory that disease germs heated up to 104 degrees Fahrenheit could prevent or cure disease. Then in 1885, a small boy in his village was bitten by a rabid dog. At that time in 1885, if you contracted rabies, you had a 0% chance of survival. Today, in 2023, if you contract rabies, if you don't have medical intervention, you have a 0% chance of survival. The boy's doctor told the boy's mother, I am so sorry, but there's nothing that medical science can do for your son. He will get progressively sicker, and he will die in the next three or four weeks. What mother is ever going to accept that prognosis for their child. No, doctor, no. There must be something you can do. There must be someone who can help. Hmm, someone who could help. The doctor was a friend of Louis Pasteur's and was aware of Louis Pasteur's experiments. And he told the mother, there may be one possible chance, but don't get your hopes up. The doctor introduces the mother to Louis Pasteur. The mother pleads for her son's life. Please, Monsieur Pasteur, you must save the life of my child. Louis Pasteur says, I am so sorry, madam, but I cannot. What you're asking me to do is illegal. Besides, I haven't done any any, uh, studies on the rabies disease whatsoever. The mother got down on her knees. Tears are streaming down her face. She begs, please, Monsieur Pasteur, what would you do if it were your child? Well, that struck a nerve, because 25 years earlier, Louis Pasteur had a little daughter named Louisa. Louisa contracted typhoid fever, doctors couldn't help her, and the nine-year-old Louisa died. Louis Pasteur hugs the woman and says, I will try, madam. He sends his two assistants out to capture a rabid dog. Not the dog that bit the boy. That dog had already been destroyed. This is a different rabid dog. The assistants capture it, bring it back to the to the lab, and wearing thick, heavy glo- leather gloves, they hold this deadly dog, snarling, snapping, and barking down on the lab table. Louis Pasteur takes a glass pipette. that's a little four or five inch, like a glass soda straw, and bends over to with inches of this deadly dog's jaws, and with his mouth, sucks some of the foaming saliva into that pipette. Now, be very careful, because if he got some of that saliva in his mouth, then he would contract rabies, and he would have a 0% chance of survival. He transfers the saliva over to a Petri dish and grows a rabies culture. He takes part of that rabies culture, heats it up to 104 degrees Fahrenheit, and injects the boy. Another doctor in town, a longtime critic and skeptic of Louis Pasteur, heard about what was going on, and he shows up at the lab with two police officers. Officers, arrest this man. He is practicing medicine without a license. That is a crime punishable by imprisonment. The mother pleads with the doctor. Please, please, let him continue or my boy will die. Well, the skeptical doctor has had some rabies patients during the course of his practice. They, of course, have all died. He thinks, now I've got him. Very well, Louis Pasteur. Continue with your experiments in witchcraft. <laughs> but when that boy dies, I will personally see to it that you, Louis Pasteur, are sent to the guillotine. Chop. Ouch. Louis Pasteur continues 12 more injections over the next two and a half weeks, and the little boy is cured. The first known case of rabies being cured in the history of the world. Today, when you go to the grocery store and you buy a jug of grade-A pasteurized milk to prevent you from getting tuberculosis or you get a vaccination to prevent or cure a disease or your surgeon washes his hands with hot water and antiseptic soap and puts on sterile latex gloves before he operates on you be sure you thank the power of commitment of Louis Pasteur now folks everyone in this room, you, me everyone, we all have A date of birth. And sometime, hopefully very far, far in the future, but eventually, we'll have a date of death. And on our tombstone, in between our date of birth and our date of death, there'll be a dash, maybe an inch, inch and a half, two inches long, not very long. That short little dash represents our total life here on earth not very long in the universal scheme of things, but it's hope that during the course of that short little dash that we'll do something very good for ourselves, for our families, for our community, maybe even the nation or the world like Louis Braille or Helen Keller or George Washington, Henry Knox or Louis Pasteur. That decision is totally up to us. Or we can do something very bad for society. We can become a bank robber or or a drug dealer or not pay our federal income taxes on time. (laughs) Those decisions will totally be up to us. But whatever we decide will absolutely be a measure of our Power of commitment. I hope our hearts and our minds command us to do the right things. Thank you so much. Thank you. Oh, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Mark, Mark, Mark Bolger, could you come here for just a second? I have something for you that's not, not, not very valuable but uh, I hope you'll appreciate it. I have here a Alabama State Quarter depicting Helen Keller with her name Helen Keller and her name written above that Helen Keller in Braille. Wow. I would like to give this to you as a commemoration. That Braille represents Louis Braille. Helen Keller is Helen Keller. And George Washington's on the other side representing Henry Knox. Wow. And because it's U.S. currency, it represents Fort Knox, Kentucky. Wow. wow.
1: Thank you. Here's, here's some other quarters. Oh, okay. to give somebody. Yeah. Well, Daryl, I have a coin for you. Oh. It, it says, uh, this is a Mark Twain coin. Ah. And it says... Uh, Kindness is the language that the blind can see and the deaf can hear. And you have been so kind to come and talk to us today and talk to us in the past. He's been to the OAB probably four or five times. and You know, and it's just, we love you and we, we appreciate it. And you, you are truly a kind man.
14: Well, thank you so much. Did you appreciate it? Did you like the story that I did today? <laughs> Thank you so much. Thank you.
10: God
14: bless. God bless
4: all of you.
1: Uh, We're going to do some door prizes here.
4: Okay. We have another mystery bag from donated by Carol and a Mark C. And now we have two magnets for your refrigerator from Carol. They're both from St. Louis and a Tony C. Tony C. Tony C. Okay. We have five dollars in cash from Omaha, Howard M. Okay, back. Okay, we have another five dollars from Omaha, Katie L. Oh. Okay, how about another five dollars from Omaha for Tracy? Where's Tracy? Okay. How about five dollars cash to Amber? Okay. <laughs> okay, Jim, yeah. you're up. We have a visor. A
10: what? Visor
4: Visor that you wear on your head in the sun.
10: No, I need one of those. I got bald head. Well, I'm yes, you bald need bald one. Person. There you go. <laughs> okay.
4: <laughs> <laughs> we have another $5 to Paulette. Paulette? Okay. Those, those are all $5 ones. Okay. And then we have another $5 for Kim J. Right. Right. And we have a uh, $5 to Tim M. $5 to Brandy And then $5 to Jessica. Jessica. (laughs) And that's it.